And this morning's reading is from Philippians chapter 4, verses 1 and verses 4 to 9, and can be found on page 1178 of certainly the Bible I'm looking at. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends. Rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me, or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks very much, um, Karen. And if you do want to grab um, a church Bible from the pillars there, it is page 1180 in those. Um, so feel free to, um, to grab one if you would like one. I'm just going to move this because I won't need it. So uh, we are well into our summer sermon series now on um, thinking about how we can dare to be different, how we can be distinctively Christian in situations that uh, we find ourselves in in the world. And last week, Tim spoke on how we can be Christian in the area of God and ethics. We've thought about God and our time, God and our potential. And today it falls to me to think about God and our mental health. And as you can imagine, that hasn't done too much for my mental health as I've been preparing for it. Because I know that in this, a group this size, there will be some for whom this is a very raw and strong and difficult issue. So uh, I would like to start by praying. And then we'll see what the Bible has to say to us about it. So Heavenly Father, this morning we come to you to think about ways that we can keep our mental health good and ways that we can support those who are not feeling very mentally strong. And I pray, Lord, that you will guide my thoughts, my words, and our thoughts and our words, and that we will go away knowing that you love us, and knowing that you bring us hope. Amen. So I don't know if you're just looking at that that's on the screen there, the, the picture of the four celebrities, David Tennant, Olivia Coleman, um, Tom Hardy, I think, and Russell Brandon. They're sort of standing there doing that. Anybody know uh, what, that's, what that's all about? Um, if not, then you obviously haven't realised that the BBC's running a mental health awareness campaign called the hashtag one in four. And that's what that means. And celebrities are sort of posting selfies doing that. Um, and they are doing it to highlight the fact that one in four of us will experience a mental health issue in our lifetime. One in four, that's astonishing. 
Look around just at the people sitting on either side of you and that means that one in four of you in your lifetime will experience some difficulty with mental health. And if it's not them, that means it's going to be you. Just saying. And what uh, I found out as I was preparing for this is that it is depression that is the number one mental health issue, not just worldwide, well, worldwide, but also in the UK, closely followed by anxiety, schizophrenia, and bipolar disorder. Those are the four most predominant mental health issues. Our minds can get sick, just as our bodies can. And we don't get, when we have something uh, that goes amiss in our minds, we don't get the benefit of a plaster cast or a sling to get the sympathy vote, do we? It's hidden. Nobody can tell. But the effects of it are just as disabling as if we had a broken leg. And I personally think that men, particularly, find it really hard to own up to struggling with mental health issues. So I say good for Princes William and Harry for being open about their own personal struggles following the loss of their mother 20 years ago and how that has impacted on them right up to the present day and that they are promoting this charity, Heads Together, which is aiming to uh, end the stigma around mental health issues. So good for them, I say. Now, I've just read this book uh, just in the last couple of weeks, one that Liz recommended to me. It's called Blue, uh, Keeping the Peace and Falling to Pieces. And it's by a chap called John Sutherland. And he was a senior police officer in the Metropolitan Police. And Ted, uh, our ex-church warden, said that you actually know this this chap. And he's a good bloke. Um, He was really successful. He was sort of fast-tracked through and ended up as a borough commander in Southwark, which is one of the sort of biggest and most problematic of the London boroughs. But after more than 20 highly successful years in the Metropolitan Police, he was happily married, he had a young family, uh, he was a Christian, well, he is a Christian. Suddenly, he was hit by severe depression, and that felled him so much that he needed nine months off work, and then he could only go back part-time. This is what he said about what happened to him. The exhaustion became relentless, and with it came a new kind of malevolent anxiety. I started to wake up in the middle of the night in a state of total panic, heart racing and head overwhelmed. There was no clear reason to explain it, but it was happening nonetheless. I was struggling just to breathe. And then I started to weep. It was the beginnings of true despair, bottomless, merciless, endless despair. And it was just the start of my falling Over the course of a few short weeks, the exhaustion intensified, the anxiety cut deeper, and then the depression came. The depression, a thing of raw horror and blind terror, a waterboarding of the mind. The monster of depression that will stand over me and breathe over me and drive me into darkness. That's the reality of what happens when you get depression. And mental health issues, they are no respecter of gender, of success, of standing in the community, of life circumstances, or anything. 
And as with John Sutherland, as he goes on to recount, there's a deep sense of shame. He struggled on, tried to not, not to let anybody know until he physically couldn't go on. We wouldn't be ashamed of having a cold, would we? Or a heart condition or any multitude of other physical ailments. So why, oh why, are we ashamed when there's something goes wrong with our mind? And as many of us will know, some things in the mind are caused by a physical chemical imbalance in the brain. So it actually does have a physical cause. Now, there's no end of good advice out there, as I googled it, for looking after our mental health and well-being. This is the UK Mental Health Foundation, what their advice is. Talk about it. Ask for help. Your friends are really important. Don't struggle on alone. Okay? Keep active. Eat, eat well. Keep your alcohol intake within bounds. And take a break because you need, you need a little bit of rest. Who knew that was good for you? Okay. And then finally, they suggest you do something you're good at, something to build up your self-esteem, particularly not to compare yourself with others. They look all right. Why am I not? You know, that sort of thing. And that's all really, really good stuff. And I'm not going to argue with any of that. Absolutely. That's really good advice. But, but today we're interested in how we as Christians can dare to be different, how we can bring something that's distinctively Christian uh, into these situations, how we can stand out because we believe in God, we've put our trust in Jesus, and we rely on the Holy Spirit for the power and the equipping and that we need to live in God's way. So we won't just offer good, sensible advice, great though it is, because I hope that we will have something extra to add into the mix. So let's look at three questions around the Christian perspective on mental health. Here they are on the screen. What does God have to say about mental health? What does it say in the Bible? How can we ensure our own mental health stays good? And how can we support people with mental health issues? In other words, how can we be distinctively different? So first of all, let's have a look at what God has to say about mental health. Now, actually, there's not too much in the Bible about mental health as a a disorder. There's a couple of um, stories in the Gospels about people with mental health issues and having miraculous healings. But that's about it. But there's plenty in the Bible about good mental health. And we're going to look just at a very few scriptures here. First one I've chosen is Isaiah 26, where it says, You will keep in perfect peace him whose mind is steadfast because he trusts in you. And that's a promise that when we put our trust in God and hang on to that, no matter what's going on around us, God will keep us in his peace. Second one to look at, 2 Timothy chapter 1. Very familiar, I'm sure. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. Now, unhealthy fears, not, you know, healthy ones are like, oh my goodness, that is a hot oven, so I'm too scared to touch it because I'll get burned. But unhealthy fears can be the root cause of many symptoms in us, many mental health symptoms. Um, And they are... They are usually, unhealthy fears, a sort of um, unreasonable response to something that we perceive might be dangerous or, or cause us harm. And what fear does, it's like a constrictor snake coiling itself round us and tightening, us, tightening its grip. And gradually, it shuts down all the things that we've, we could do previously. 
So unhealthy fears. But the Bible says God has not given us a spirit of fear. Instead, he's given us a spirit of power, of love, and of a sound mind. By the way, that's the same spirit, that's the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. It's the same one that he's given to us. The resurrection power is what we've got inside us. Okay? That's the power of the Holy Spirit living in us. So he's given us a spirit of power, and he's given us a spirit of love. And that's the perfect, unconditional everlasting, non-judgmental love of God. And that love casts out fear. There we go. That's the Bible verse for that one. Perfect love of God drives out fear. Knowing how much God loves you and that nothing but nothing can take that away. That's the perfect antidote to things that can cause us fear. And lastly, the Spirit of God has given us a sound mind. And how to sustain that is what we're going to look at in a bit more detail. Now, So what can we do to ensure good mental health? I'd just like you to listen to this story for a minute. I don't know if some of you may know this one. Uh, But this was the story of an old Cherokee Indian who's talking to his grandson about a battle that goes on inside all people. And he said this, My son, the battle is between two wolves inside us. One wolf is evil. It's anger, envy, jealousy, greed, and arrogance. The other wolf is good. It is peace, love, hope, humility, compassion, faith. Silence for a bit. The grandson thought for a while, and then he said to his grandfather, Which wolf wins out of the evil and the good one? And his grandfather answered, the one you feed, the one you feed. Think about that for a minute. Okay. As Christians, we have our own set of mind battles. We have battles with temptations and addictions. We have battles with unhelpful ways of behaving. We have battles with wrong thinking and lies about God and ourselves. And as Christians, we want to be people of good mental health who have victory over these enemies. And when we become a follower of Jesus, that's a Christian, when we become a follower of Jesus, the Bible says the old has gone, the new has come. We become a new creation. That's the truth of what happens when you give your life to Jesus. However long ago that was, that happened. And if you've never surrendered your life to Jesus, if you've never given over the selfishness of a life built around your needs, your rights, your wants, well, maybe today's the day for that. Because Jesus is just longing for you to make up your mind to live for him and not for yourself. And when you do that, this new creation will be your experience too. Because in a marvelously mysterious way, you receive the Spirit of Christ the mind of Christ that comes to live within you. Now, I bet lots of you are sitting there thinking, yeah, yeah, that was fine, but actually, I'm not living in that now. I don't feel like a new creation. Because the truth is, we all slip back into old ways of thinking, old habits, old behaviors. It's all too easy to do that. And we don't live like our new creation at all. We all make wrong choices. 
Well, here's the answer. We're back to the wolves again here, okay? Romans 12, 2. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Feed the good wolf, in other words. Feed the good wolf. Now, we're going to look at Philippians now, believe it or not. We've spent a long time getting there. Page 1180, if you grabbed a Bible. Because here we find a number of factors that ensure our mental and emotional well-being. And if we're lacking them, then conversely, we can find life difficult and problems can arise. So if we look at verse 1, stand firm in the Lord, says Paul. Stand firm in the Lord. doesn't matter what's going on around us, what our circumstances are. If we stand firm in the Lord, and elsewhere in the Bible it says, The Lord is our rock. We can put our feet on the rock. And it won't matter what life chucks at us because we are firm in God. So hold on to him. Don't get knocked about by circumstances. And then in verse 4, seek the joy that there is in the Lord. Don't depend on what's going on around us. Look to God. And the joy of the Lord, it says, is your strength. So look, keep your eyes up above your problems. Verse 6, do not allow yourself to be anxious, but turn everything over to God in prayer with thanksgiving. I wonder how many of us, and this includes me, rely on my own strength when stuff happens. (laughs) How many of us, including me, have God as our last resort instead of our first resort? Do not allow yourself to be anxious, but turn everything to God in prayer with thanksgiving. And then verse 7, and then God's peace will guard your mind. God's peace will flow into you. And as I probably well made the point by now, in many cases, nothing will change except you in the midst of it. Verse 8, fill your mind with good things, thinking on these things. Colossians 3 says, set your mind on things above, not on earthly things, whatever is pure, whatever is noble, whatever is good, etc., etc. Think on those things, set your mind on things above. And verse 9 gives us the final promise. When we think on these things, we renew our minds and transformed. And God will give us the mind of Christ And the God of peace will be with us. So how? Yeah, yeah, but how how do we do that? Well, there's just no substitute, I believe, for reading the scriptures, for meditating on the Bible, for feeding ourselves with the word of God. And when I personally let that slip, that habit slip, my stress levels rise. So Bible reading less, stress levels up. Bible reading back to what it should be, stress levels down. That happens to me all the time. It's like a barometer. My stress goes up, I think. So reading the Bible. And also, of course, and preaching to the converted here, no substitute for coming together with other Christians to worship him, to pray, and to be loved and cared for by one another. And this is where it's important not to feel any sense of shame. Let your mask slip. Tell people how you feel. And let them love you with God's love. 
And Anne Fugerman, who will be leading our prayers shortly, she regularly offers some, a course called the Happiness Course. Happiness Course, four weeks of learning how to keep our mental health and well-being in a good place. It's really good. I did it last year. I can highly recommend it. I'm not sure when the next one's planned, but when you see the advert for it, sign up. I really encourage you. It's a wonderful tool. And Anne is a great source of help and advice on mental health issues too and is very happy to chat to anybody who needs some support. So, just feed the good wolf is what I'm saying. And if you take nothing away from this today, just take that phrase away. Feed the good wolf in your mind. And lastly, the last question was, how can we support people with mental illness? Well, I just want to say don't be scared of it to start with. Don't be scared. It's just an illness like any other, okay? Don't be frightened of it. And just love people. None of this is rocket science, is it? I feel quite ashamed telling you because you probably all know it better than me. But just love people as modelled by God. Love them unconditionally. Love them in the long haul because it often will be a long haul for people who are struggling with these things. Love them non-judgmentally. Just love them. Love with God's grace through you, but also love with the truth. You need to speak truth to people. A few years ago, I had dealings with someone who was suffering a personality disorder, and they were not someone from this church, so don't go looking around thinking, who's this then, okay? It's not, I wouldn't choose an example from here. But this person's view of reality was very distorted, and I was advised to keep died. I'll carry on with this. Um, I was just advised to keep on stating the reality and the truth to them of what the real situation was, not what their perception was. Just going to take this off because it's all tangled. And that person's view of reality was really distorted. But they took exception to something I said. And they made the choice to walk away. And I was really upset. I thought I'd got it badly wrong. But I was reassured not. But I do want you to be reassured that it won't always work. It won't always go right. And none of us will get it right all the time. But all we've got to do is deal with people with love and speak truth into them. And of course, almost goes without saying, but I'm going to say it, seek them to encourage them to seek appropriate help as well. Don't think this is something we should be doing on our own. Absolutely not. Bring in the experts. So what anyone with a mental health issue needs is uh, someone, a true friend who will love them, who will speak truth to them, and finally offer them hope. Hope is what they need. Now, I've got a little video clip here now, just to, light, uh, just to uh, il- illustrate this. It's from the BBC website. It's called A Message to My Mental Illness, and it's three girls speaking to their mental illness, And they all are going to say that hope got them through their most difficult times. Let's have a look, Stefan. Dear mental illness. Hey, Ethan, Sarah. Dear depression. I think it's time we had a chat.
please go away. I'm sick of you, basically. And ha, I'm still alive and I'm still here. You made me depressed, suicidal, started self-harm, started to stop eating. You've taken away years of my life, friendships, memories, smiles. Times I'll never get back. How dare you? How dare you ruin my childhood, my teenage years? You are the sea that drowns me. The dog that bites me, burrowing your way in with ugly words and foul eyes. You made me believe that I was too worthless for food, too worthless for love, too worthless for life. You make us feel worthless, but we're not powerful beings, we're wonderful beings, we're magical beings. I'd like to thank you in a way, eating disorder. You've made me the strong, confident, badass woman that I am today. Me and my voice will rise above yours eating disorder. I can't give in, and I won't give in, and I refuse to give in. I refuse to let you win. I know one powerful thing that helped me through it. Hope. I may lose many battles, but one day I'll win the war. Hope. Hope to hang on, hope to cling on in the dark, dark times. And as Christians, what hope can we offer? God. God offers hope and he won't take it away from any of his suffering children. Jesus said, I came so you can have real and eternal life, more and better life than you ever dreamed of. We might lose some battles. But in Jesus, we will win the war. God's transforming power will bring healing as we renew our minds with his truth. So just to end now, we're going to take just a time of short reflection. Um, I would like to encourage you, if you're happy to, just to close your eyes and listen. Uh, What I'm going to say is uh, on a handout that you can pick up at the end of the service. They're on a table at the back and here. You can pick up on your way out. But this is an example of how we can renew our minds. It's a short reflection on God, the truth, and the hope we have in him through words in the Bible. So let's feed the good wolf. Let's close our eyes. Firstly, these are things that Jesus will never say to you. He will never say, this is your last chance. Jesus will never say, I've had it with you. I knew you were messed up, but you've really blown it this time. Jesus will never say to you, I am ashamed of you. I don't want any more to do with you. You're a waste of my time. Jesus will never, ever say to you, if you do that again, that's it for me. I will never forgive you for that. Jesus will never say to you, I don't care. What Jesus does say to you, is this. Jesus says, I love you. I am near you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. 
Today, Jesus says to you, it is in your weakness that my power will be made perfect. Jesus says, I give you my peace. I'm on your side. I bring you life in all its fullness. Jesus says to you, I give you a spirit of power, of love, and of sound mind. Which wolf are you feeding inside you? The evil one, which leads to despair, or the good one, that leads to joy? Amen. And we remain in prayer as Anne leads us in our intercessions.